Good evening, lovelies. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, Candy, and Creatives, the Sunday Cinema Show. CCC is a Be Unique Radio featured program. My creatives tonight are Chris Strike and Joella Crichton. They're here to talk about the new documentary, Becoming a Queen. You can catch it in the U.S. pretty much everywhere, and it'll be available to watch in Canada starting July 19th. This episode is brought to you by Be Unique Brevard, the Space Coast premier magazine. This episode is also brought to you by Thorough Clean. Thorough Clean has been serving the Central Florida area for more than 30 years. For all of your carpet, tile, and upholstery cleaning needs, give Thorough Clean a call. In the Central Florida area, 321-729-8198. Now, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage, cuddle up with your host pup, and enjoy the show. Good evening, lovelies. I am here with Chris Strikes and Joella Crichton. And they are here to talk about Becoming a Queen, their new documentary that is out. Is it out now for people to watch or is it coming soon? Yeah, it's out now in the United States and it's coming out in Canada July 19th. Okay, and this is a Canadian story. It is the rise and legacy of Toronto's nine-time queen of carnival. And she's aiming to win her 10th crown, but it's her last performance. So Chris, Joella, welcome. Let's talk about it. First of all, this is something, and I don't feel like I'm, I'm not a know-it-all about everything, but I feel like this would be something that we would maybe hear of down here in America, but this is huge in Canada, yes, or in Toronto? That's correct, yeah. So this is, it's pageantry and it's uh, representing a culture. Tell me about it. Absolutely. Joella, you want to take that? Yeah, I was going to just jump in. Um, It's definitely part of the Caribbean culture and there's a large Caribbean community um, here in Toronto. It's not so much a pageant, but it's it's mainly a competition about costumes and portrayal of the costume. So what happens at the event is the women go on stage um, for about four minutes and we all have very large elaborate costumes on that represent a theme. And then um, we're judged and we compete against one in, one another um, to see who has the most original costume, the best performance, you know, the most interesting portrayal of the costume. And that's how it's decided who is the queen for that year. But that seems like just a short amount of time. It is. It, it's short um, for the women in the costumes. It it can feel quite long because the costumes are so large and heavy, but it's a lot of work for a very short period of time. Yes. That's what I was thinking. I mean, my God, months, a year, all of that sewing and beading and feathering and all of this stuff that you do to make this beautiful costume for five minutes, four or five minutes. Yeah. And it's, and you know, one of the other things too, Pup, is that it's it's just that one costume for that year. You're not allowed to re-wear a costume the following year or wear someone else's costume. It's just for that year, for that four minutes. And yes, it is a lot of work and it's all year long to, you know, design the costume, get the materials, build it. It's hours and hours of work. Right. Hours of work and funds. It's costly, I imagine. All for that one moment. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it depends on how much you want to spend. People spend upwards of $20,000, $30,000 on the costume. So it's, yeah, just to get the title. So it's 
you know, it's quite elaborate and um, it's a huge part of the culture and in um, a huge part of the costume making for the carnival here in Toronto and, and throughout all carnivals um, in the Caribbean. That's insane. <laughs> That's a little insane. I can see it and I can I can grasp the concept of some something being so important that you go through that, but it's still mind-blowing to me. You can't like repurpose maybe the bodice of this one and no, you can't. It's all new every I mean, I, I'm sure there are people who try to, you know, find a way to sneak in something from last year, but people who, you know, are are diehard carnival goers, they know. They'll say, oh that. You know that was from last year and the person could get points off so it's not worth it you know to risk just to save a penny or whatever here and there it's you know and it's also part of the art form to come up with something new because the theme for example i'm just blow i'm just throwing this out from my mind but let's say the theme one year is you know um birds and the year before your theme was flowers, it shouldn't really fit. Your theme is different. And so your costume should look different and, and should be new. And that's what kind of makes it exciting is every year you're gonna see somebody in a new, a new costume, a new design. And um, that's what keeps people coming back is the ingenuity and the originality. Right, and the beauty of these costumes. I yeah. Can- on that night, so that night is the kings and queens and the female and male individual, but it's all the big costumes that we make. So they, you know, they are quite, like you said, mind-blowing and um, elaborate and interesting to look at. And then obviously seeing the different performers come back year to year and um, enjoying them, you know, dance and portray their new costume. And I'm sure that people get their favorites. Kind of similar if you're watching RuPaul's Drag Race. You know, you might have your favorite drag queen and they do their runway and you can't wait to see. So you can't wait to see what Joella is going to wear this year. You know, you can't because she slayed it last year with the flowers, like you said, or whatever it was. I can't wait to see what she's come up with, you know. So that excitement for the the audience has to be pretty high too. Yeah, for sure. And definitely, you know, seeing what other people, because I had one for so many years, it was sort of like, who could, you know, who could beat me this year or whose, whose costume would be better than Joella's. And so that was, you know, kind of what always sort of had me on edge, but you know, when you arrive at the show as one of the Queens and everyone's setting up their costumes, it's, it can be really nerve wracking to see somebody putting something up that you're like, that looks really good. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah, like actually like, oh my God, they might actually beat me this year. Um, you know, that's, that's why we love it. That's why we do it. That's why it, you know, it seems mind blowing, but it's so for that one night, it's so exciting. And it's just so out of the, out of this world, you know, to do, to do well yeah. and to have that experience. So Right. And nobody wants to go into a competition that's going to be just way too easy and an easy win. You're going to be like, well, this was boring. Yeah. And like, and nobody, nobody wants to go in to lose. Everybody wants to win. And so, and that's the purpose behind it. It's like, you know, there is real competition. And even though, you know, we all care about each other, it's all a part of our culture. And, you know, there is a sense of love and family, um, you know, in this, in the whole celebration, it's, 
it's still a competition and it's still important for everybody to feel like they can win and to um, go with that energy. Like I'm going to get it this year. You can love your fellow participants just as much as you want to and still want to <laughs> still want to fail miserably and, and, and for you to win. You're not going to be heartbroken if somebody's headdress you know falls apart you're gonna be like oh I'm so sorry <laughs> well yeah I mean exactly yes it's it's you know outside of that day we all know each other and we all see each other and we see each other every year so it's like oh there's this one or there's this one but for sure if you know something happened you'd be like oh okay well there goes that person out of the competition and I'm sure they felt like that about me it's like oh well we that you know we hope something happens I hope people don't I mean I hope people aren't like that but it's friendly nobody wants anybody like hurt or to have a bad experience but listen you can play monopoly with your with your family with your sisters and still just laugh gleefully and evilly when they, you know, land on your property with hotels. It doesn't mean you don't love your family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, I'm always confident up to the day and then I get there and I'm like, oh man, I better get it together before I get (laughs) on stage. Cause these, you know, these costumes look really good, but you know, everybody, everybody has their own way of how they want to win and their own and their own desires. And I mean, like, up, up to that moment, I am, you know, working on my costume and really putting the effort towards so that no matter what I feel like I won. And if I do win, I know that I, that I got it fair and square. Right. So, and that's why there's rules, you know, that's why there's rules and that's why, you know, people can be disqualified. And there is a rule book that gets dropped off at the mass camp that everybody can read so that, you know, if, what you've done and <laughs> what you failed to do and maybe and maybe um, why you lost certain points here or there and why somebody else could have beat you so helpful though yeah that's really helpful so if you don't do as well as you wanted to uh, you know as a competitor you know well next year I need to do this that and that that's cool yeah and like for example one of the rules that that I have always seen, you know, be enacted is you can lose 10 points if you don't come up in order. So at the beginning of the whole festival, there's orders picked out. And so let's say that year I'm supposed to go on stage number two, but I don't get ready on time. And I end up going on number four, I can lose 10 points from every judge. And so, yeah. And for, you know, sometimes people just don't get ready on time. I was going to ask if you were an early queen or a late queen. Like, are you, are you done with your costume like a week ahead of time? You've got everything laid out. Or are you there at the last minute going? <laughs> okay. We're not last. Well, because my mom's involved and she's like a perfectionist and like, hell no, you're not going to the show, not prepared, but it's, it, there always is, you know, we work up to the day, the night before the show at least. And I at least get one trial. Like there's Queens. I know that don't even try their costume on before they go. And I'm, I can only imagine what that feels like. It must be very scary to not know how heavy your costume is, but, um, anything can happen during the season. It's like carnival season. For example, you might order some feathers that have to come from overseas and they don't get there till a day or two before. And then you're so busy trying to put your feathers on. And that's just the way life is right and what can you do but 
you can also design your costume so that you're not stuck in those situations <laughs> and right. make sure you have your stuff um, before everybody in the whole city is wanting feathers and wanting the exact material you decided to make your costume out of. So um, there are things out of our control, but um, you know, that's part of the competition. It's like getting your stuff done early so that you're prepared so that you, you can, you know, you can win. Absolutely. Chris, we haven't forgotten about you, I promise. <laughs> hey, no, it's all good. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying Joella's charisma and her passion. And, you know, this is exactly why we told the story uh, about her. So it's all good. Absolutely. Well, Joella, what is the age range for the competition? So to compete in Queen, you just have to be over the age of 16. Okay. But okay. yeah, up to whatever. But because of the culture, there aren't very many young Queens, I mean, I don't know any 16 year old. The first year that I competed, I was 18. And there was comments that that's very young to compete because, you know, wow. to be a queen, take some life experience and, you know, they want people who um, can represent the culture well. So it's often not, not that a 16 year old can't, but, um, you know, it's a lot of people who have lived life. I don't want to say older because that's not necessarily true. It's about your life experience. So, um, well, that is a perception though. That is a perception that someone, uh, whether it's a, a Miss America or, um, you know, Miss Canada or Queen of Carnival or RuPaul's Raggers, that the younger ones don't have the experience they need to be the face of something. And I don't think that that's always true, but Maybe there's a little bit of truth in it because, you know, what, what 16 year olds really lived. I yeah, didn't. And I mean, like when you think, when you think about it, um, especially like in Trinidad or St. Vincent or in the, in the islands, like um, even in Toronto, it's quite an honor to win, you know, to win queen. And it's not necessarily age. It's just, you're just known in the community. So people who have been around more are the people who, are competing in the queen. So someone, you know, when I was 16, I could have because I was participating in mass since I was, you know, two, but it's nice to be a little bit older and it's nice to be more known in the community and um, have sort of a background in the culture and in, and, in making, and in making costumes. I guess part of it too is that, you know, 50, 60 years ago, or like, when you know back in the islands you know women made their own costumes so you needed some life experience in building costumes and designing costumes so some of that has changed as part of you know the new age you know you have a designer and this and that but you know in my mom's day uh back home like parent grandparents and grandparents were part of the costume making and um you know women who were competing queen made their own costumes so it would be a little tough for maybe a 16 year old to afford the materials and to know what to do but somebody who is 30 or 40 or 50 would have that life experience right and the and the money probably the money and and yeah a lot of it is the money to be able to do it so sure well Chris you said that you were so excited to work on this project what brought you to the project you know um Joella and I had met in 2017 and uh, uh I had cast her in a, in a short film that um I was doing back then 
And so we did the table read at her mom's house. And when I first walked into her mom's house, you see like um, costume pieces displayed uh, on top of the, the piano and on top of one of their mantles there. And uh, there's blown up pictures of Joella in costume around on the walls and in the basement, there's her chess pieces on the uh, display from past costumes. And I, I was uh, immediately blown away. I was like, this, this is incredible. I've never seen this before. This is like a little mini um, carnival museum and this is beautiful. And I had asked Joella um, at that time if anybody's ever you know, told her story in, in a documentary format. And she had said outside of like just doing some news interviews, um, no one's really told her story like that. So uh, in 2017, Joella was, was, was competing to try to win her ninth um, queen. So I, I mentioned to her, I was like, you know, this year, if you win nine, um, that means next year you're gonna go for 10. And so if, if you're going for 10, we should, we should do a film. We should, we should tell your story. And I, I said it as a joke at, at first, and, and like, I think Joelle just kind of laughed it off as well, too. Um, but, then, but then I got to see her after knowing her, um, um, after getting to know her for, for the other project that we were doing, I got to see her in action. And I was really inspired um, that year that she did win her ninth. And I, was, and I went back to her and I was like, you know, I, th I think we do have to tell your story. I, I, think we, we, I think we have to do this project. And so... Uh, we, we met and sat down and she told me um, or she shared with me her story and kind of the process of like what goes into preparing for carnival every year. And I was like, you know, I think I think this is a really cool story in here. And um, one of the things that that I really love about um, Joella's story and her involvement in carnival is that um, it's. It, because she's been so involved in the community, she's she's very well known in the community. She's been on the front page of, of many a Caribbean newspapers here in Toronto and in Canada and has been on um, uh, our, our local news networks. So she, for me, uh, was a, a known representation of so many families within Toronto and even beyond t Toronto who are involved in Carnival year after year through many generations so like just seeing um the dynamic with her and her mother luann and and also too with mishka being involved and seeing this family dynamic um with kenny as well too their costume designer i was like you know th th this is a beautiful representation a microcosm of like so many different other families um who have participated in carnival and um you know uh uh, I, I hope uh, Joella doesn't mind me sharing this, but she she just had a baby um, who's uh, almost turning one years old, right? So so when he's old enough, probably by like you know two or three years old, I, I'm sure Joella is going to bring him into Carnival as well too. And so it's just it's just really beautiful just to see it passed down from generations. And so Joella's story was a, a beautiful representation of that. Absolutely, and I love that you pretty much you gave yourself. A deadline by saying that we have to do it before the 10th attempt you gave yourself like a year to do this and obviously you succeeded which is great I love the fact that you did the table read at her mom's house because if mom didn't like something she was going to be like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't know Joella does, does your mom ever like uh, give you any insight if you should take on a project or not <laughs> um no but she is 
she is a mama bear for sure. And if I was like, I don't like this, she'd be like, then that's it. Just come <laughs> out of it or I'll just tell them. And I'm like, okay, I can handle it. I yeah. You know, and I do, I do trust her opinion and um, it's very supportive mom. And obviously um, I was lucky to have her bring me up in the tradition and um, I will definitely be doing with my son if, if, if he likes it, which I hope he does. Um, yeah. <laughs> you got a little king you got a little king coming up <laughs> yeah he'll he'll be you know I'm going to get him a costume this year I don't I, I don't think he'll last very long he's just one years old but we'll see we'll see how the parade goes and he seems to like music soca music so but that's just how it starts it's like it's an offering you know it's like this is part of your culture here see if you like it see how it feels but you have to bring them to it and you have to bring them to it repeatedly and, and offer that to them so that they find their own footing within it. And then they, you know, they can grow up to do whatever they want to do in carnival. Like he doesn't have to wear a costume. He might be more interested in designing or building costumes or running a band or, you know, there's so many options there, but if he's never introduced to it, then I can't really expect him to, you know, to want to want to be a part of it. I mean, he could want to be part of the setup crew. He would for sure. for sure. Like there's, there's people who do that, who are very heavily involved and um, love the culture so much that they would, you know, whatever part they're interested in, that's, that's good for them. And, and we need all those people. So did your mom participate as a, as a queen? My mom never competed in queen, but wanted to. Oh, I know. I know she has, she had like a bad back and couldn't and never was able to be a queen, but in St. Vincent, her sister and brother competed in King and Queen. So, and her parents made costumes. So that's, I think where she got the love of it, but she never got to do queen. And so this is, this, that's why I said, I'm like, you must be living through me. This is, this is good for you. You're enjoying, (laughs) you must be enjoying this. Cause like she, you know, when I go on stage, she like, she doesn't even like go in the audience. She like goes by the stage and sits in the front row and just like, she's just in her glee. And I, I know that, um, it's as joyful for her watching me perform. It's as if she was doing it herself. So well I mean we've all seen like the videos of the dance moms and I'm not saying your mom's a dance mom but they're in the front row doing the dance moves too (laughs) sort of like that she (laughs) it's like it's but honestly you would need you need a parent like that to get somebody this far because it's like it's such hard work and it's such like it's just the work and the community and being so involved and um you need somebody like my mom to get somebody this far so you're you're totally right it's like she's so committed to it that's you know that's totally part of why I went why I won so much and why the story's so like interesting I guess is just the dynamic between us as a family because you always want to have the healthy support of your mom or your dad or your aunt or your grandma or whomever it is that's in it with you without it being some sort of like momager we yeah. never it's always good to have that beautiful healthy support and they're doing it because they want it for you right yeah and I mean like because it's part, like it's kind of interesting because it's sort of like it's part of the culture so it's also my culture mm-hmm. it's not just her culture so it's different than it being like a sport or um you know an artistic form that I just 
took on because I wanted to, it's like singing or acting or dance or whatever. It's, it's part of the culture. So in a way I'm sort of forging my own path, but I also have her at my side, which is, which is, I think lovely. (laughs) Now there's Kings and Queens you said, right? Yeah. So Chris, Mm -hmm. are you maybe next King of 2023? Oh no 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 no! Um, I I if anything I would I would play mass um, just a, a regular reveler, um, which I wanted to do this year and I still might. I, it's just um, I may actually be uh, tied up promoting the films. I may not have the opportunity to, but in terms of uh, performing as king or competing as king, that is not in my future. <laughs> Aww. That's a funny thought, though. That is a funny thought. <laughs> what Joella like that I can tell? Yeah, I mean, like I, any okay. The whole thing is like anybody could compete as a king or a queen. It's just so, Chris, you could if you wanted to. I just like there's just certain people who don't want to do it. It's a specific type of person who wants to do that kind of competition. But Chris, you could. I know that I could. It's just the idea of it makes me laugh. But I, I'm picturing it in my head now. And I'm like, mm, nah. And then I'll just film you the whole time and, and <laughs> all the questions. There's the second. There you go. Yeah. Part, part two. <laughs> so when is Carnival happening this year? So this year it's uh, happening July 30th um, is the parade. And on the Thursday before that is going to be the King and Queen. So that's uh, July 28th. And it usually lasts about how long? The, the King and Queen usually goes all night. So it starts um, like the festivities starts about what, like 7, 8 p.m. type of thing. And it usually goes to like after midnight um, is usually when the, when, when the winners get announced sometime between midnight and 1 a.m. And then the parade on Saturday is, is basically all day. Start from like people get down to the lakeshore at like 9, 10 a.m., hit the road by 10, 11 a.m. And, and, and we're there till, till about 6, 7 p.m. Some, sometimes some people are even there to 8 p.m. So uh, it's, it's definitely all day. It's a long, it's a long, uh, it's a long day. Sure. And Joella, you said that uh, in the competition, you've got that costume on, well, that you're on stage for just like four or five minutes. But now do you have to keep your costume on from 8 p.m.-ish to midnight-ish? Or do you get to no. change? No, you change out. You just put it on when it's your time to compete. Um, and then for the day, so because the winners are announced that night, you already know if you're the king or the queen of the whole parade for the actual parade day. Okay. So um, on the day, you do go on stage as well with the rest of your band, um, but you've already, your competition's already done. You're just competing with, with your band and you don't have to wear your costume the whole day of the parade. That would kill me. I'd be sweating buckets because it's so hot at this time of the year, right? Like I'd be sweating buckets. I'd No, it wouldn't work. And I would just, I don't know, I would melt probably, but um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like the night of the show that four minutes is your time to shine. Okay. And then you're instantly, you're like, where's my, where's my jeans? Where's my sundress? I gotta. (laughs) Yeah. Like people, you know, people get ready, they go on and then they come out of it. They're heavy. Like it's not, and you know, it's not something you can just 
wear easily. It takes a lot of setup and right. um, it takes a lot of manpower. It can't be set up just by me. You need you need a bunch of people to help you set up the cost. I mean, the thing is huge. It's like 20 feet high, 40 feet wide. It's like a massive thing, right? So you need the manpower. And then once you're off stage, we sort of break it all down. It goes in the truck. And then the next time you put it on is the day of the parade. And then that's it. That's oh, it for wow. that year. And then it's, and then it's in mom's basement. <laughs> Or it's in the garbage, sadly. Oh, gosh. I know, I know. But there's just, you know, there's not a lot of storage space and people are, most people don't reuse them. So, you know, if there's something special about one, you might keep it and say, okay, maybe, maybe sometime we'll see this costume again. But normally most people, you know, garbage it. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to, we're going to speak directly to this, to, to Toronto that we need to have a carnival museum. We need to have these beautiful costumes. People would come, people would come. I, I'm telling you, I, fashion students, art students, and put it on the kids' uh, field trip schedule because it's just to a smaller extent. The people that get married and spend $20,000, $10,000 on a wedding dress and never do anything else with it again. And eventually, like you said, they either, uh, they send it to the thrift shop or maybe they send it to some charity that makes baby dresses out of it. It's like, we pay so much and we put so much thought into these things, especially something that's so cultural. We need just a, just a little museum, Toronto, just a little one. It doesn't have to be like the MoMA. <laughs> you know what? You're not even the, like so many people bring that up and people have tried and it just wasn't, I don't know, it just didn't get sustained. Um, but because we do, you know, see it as an art form, um, within the culture, it's, that's a great idea. And we would love that. I don't know if everybody views it that way. So it's a little harder to get the support to do that, but there's so many, even in just my years, there's so many beautiful costumes that I've seen that are just, they're just gone. Like nobody knows where there are. It's very momentary, which kind of, I think that's part of the, Oh, the exciting part about it is just like it's not saved it's just you just see it and then it's just it just it's just gone mm-hmm. like it's, it's yeah yeah well, and there have been um some conversations uh from the fmc because we've been talking to the fmc um throughout the year just with uh, promoting the film as part of the carnival buildup, and so there are conversations about implementing something like that going forward maybe probably sometime next year um so uh because the science center is a is a partner with the fmc who are the organizers of of carnival and the ontario science center is a big draw for especially students and kids um all throughout toronto and the greater toronto area and, and even beyond that so there, there are conversations to figure out how that would be done. And, and I know one of the biggest challenges is just the storage space um, is just finding the storage space to, to, to house these costumes because they're so big. Um, you know, some, so, somebody described it recently as like, you know, Joella has basically a, a two-story, three-story house on her back. Right? <laughs> so, so yeah, so just storing these massive costumes in the city uh, is a challenge and, and there isn't enough space, um, which is a legitimate challenge. And it's just a matter of like seeing where they can store these costumes to be able to, you know, display them for even a, a couple of weeks after carnival or, 
or or a couple of months like just so people can can see them but uh there, there is conversation around them so hopefully there's a solution to those challenges right and i was gonna say i mean the film has to be a, an, a, a conversation starter i mean that your documentary it has to be like hey look at all the interest that our film has generated in this uh, Toronto events, we should be not capitalizing on it, but we should be trying to, to, you know, to capitalize on it. I don't know how else to say it. You know, we should be trying to generate a lot of interest with it. So that's awesome that they're at least talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that is one of the things that, that I wanted the film to do is to really, um, you know, play its role in helping the development and the moving forward of, of Carnival and, and bringing events like these, you know what I mean? Uh, events where people can come and see the costumes afterwards. Like, even if we can do um, a photo shoot of, of everybody in costume, and so if we can't uh, maintain the, the physical costumes, we can blow up the, 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 the photos similarly to how uh, Joella's mother did, um, and just have them displayed, just nicely framed, nicely lit. Um, the the head pieces and the chest pieces are like you know they're human size, so so those can be put on display um, if the rest of the costume is too big. So even figuring out um, ideas like that, where if the size is a challenge, figuring out ways of like how we can overcome those obstacles and overcome those challenges, and and hopefully yeah, hopefully the film does um, help to motivate that because. So many people are disappointed when they find out that these costumes are 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 basically trashed the, the next day or right after carnival is done, right? So yeah. It's it's on I just want to add there are people out there who love to like document the carnival, but it's just for their like personal joy. Like some of those blown up pictures that I have at my house, people like found me. Like I'd be at the parade and then they'd be like last year I got this amazing photo of you and I blew it up here. And it's like a huge poster oh. photo of me somewhere. Um, so there's there's people who really care about the culture and like have chosen to just document it on their own, um, but they're not in museums and nobody has asked them, you know, to bring their photos to anything. They just, they find the people in them and they're like, here, I want to give this to you because it's such an awesome photo of your <laughs> costume. So yeah, it's like, it's been thought of, but like, it's not, it, no one's ever put it into action. I think Chris is onto something though with, with the idea, because he's right. You would need, I'm not good with measurements, but you would need a really, really big warehouse, like three stories tall climate control just to, for the storage of it. But the, what he proposed was, that's a really good idea to just, you have a headdress and this was, you know, Joella Crichton in 2015 with a picture of you behind this person. This was this person. I think that would be really, really cool. And I wonder if like it would generate maybe like, not that you're old by any stretch of the imagination, but the, you know, the younger generation coming up going, oh my God, I can do that too. That's cool. Yeah. And people who, people who don't think they can participate because it's a cultural thing, which it's not true. Anybody can be a part of it. You know, a lot of people from the States come up, anybody yeah. can be a part of it. It's open to anyone. All you have to do is purchase a costume. Um, and so bringing that awareness to the culture and the art form that it's, it's not just this niche little thing that, you know, only a specific group of people do. It's, it's sort of something that everybody can celebrate and be a part of. And, and, 
bringing awareness to, to the art form um, through just showing, through, you know, showing people what we do and sort of eliminating any of the ideas and ignorance around um, what the culture is. And being inclusive at the same time is amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's one of the things that make the Toronto Carnival really unique to me is that um, it still is a multicultural festival because there's so many different groups of, of people here in Toronto and they're all welcome to participate. Um, the only thing that personally I feel that stops people is just they don't know that they're allowed to. And I've had people, Chris has had people since, you know, since he's been so involved in the carnival, like come up and say, like, can I come? Or can I buy a car? People message me on like friends I have, you know, throughout my life will go and like, where do I buy a costume? I'm like, oh, here, here's all the places you can go. And, and, you know, you're more than welcome to be a part of it and to participate. Um, and so being in Toronto, when you're at the parade, you see a whole bunch of different people um, from all over the world participating. And I think that's like, that's so cool. This is sad, but I think in society, a lot of times people think if they don't look the same or aren't the same from the same place, they don't, they don't think they can even go much less participate. I mean, I feel like, yes, in some situations, it could be exclusive because it's a specific um, set of beliefs or a set of values. It could be exclusive just to a, a specific um, group of people. But for a lot of things, even if it's not your culture, like you said, you can, you can come. We want you to come and be joyful and experience it with us and understand more about our culture. Absolutely. I think it's sad that we don't do it more often as a species, as Canadians, as Americans, we don't intersect enough. And I think if we intersected more, we would understand more and probably get along a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I know Chris feels the same way. I think for many years, it was just seen as like a black thing and it's part of the black community, um, right. which yes, black people did come immigrate to Toronto and decide to put on a festival, but it's, that's not the root of the festival. The festival is about um, freedom and expression and love and joy, which I think is a part of everybody's life and every family's life. So, um, you know, the way that it's been portrayed, maybe in the media or maybe on the internet or whatever, um, can seem not inclusive, but in the culture, it's absolutely inclusive. And, um, I hope people know that. And when watching the film, um, I think you can see that how, how open it is and how much it's about um, people enjoying one another and people um, celebrating one another. And, and, and that means that you're all welcome. Absolutely. So, yeah. I, and I agree with you. It's just, it's really, you know, it's really, it's really tough living in a multicultural city and and being around people who don't feel they can be um, a part of other people's thing. I mean, the thing is called Toronto Caribbean Carnival. So Toronto to me means you are welcome. You can right. come here um, the same way we, we, you know, love to have people from all over the world share their food or share their ideas. Um, it's the same exact thing um, with the, with the carnival. Right. I mean, you're not going to keep me away from a Greek festival and I'm not Greek. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I mean, that's how it is here. Chris knows like there's festivals, you know, there was a Filipino festival up the road the other day and I took my son and there was people of all races there. Um, so. And good that too so yeah good food and and you know beautiful costumes and and people doing beautiful performances like sure I might I might not speak the language but I absolutely felt welcome and I I hope that people feel that especially when it comes to the black culture and um you know that's that's my hope for this movie is that when people do watch it that they know um they know the truth about who we are and from our from our mouths and our perspective and that they know that the festival um, is is for everybody who lives here and everybody who wants to come and join in. Right. I mean, can you imagine some little kid in the backseat of his parents car or her parents car and looking out the window and in the distance kind of seeing this like well, you said 20 foot tall 40 foot, you know, and going my what is that. And never knowing, <laughs> they grow up the rest of their life never knowing because you know the parent didn't stop, didn't know that they were invited. You know so. what? There, there are actually a lot of people in the city who are like that, who who grew up in Toronto or who have spent it and lived in Toronto for an extensive amount of time. That they're always like, or or that they're like, you know, we've always seen it like either on TV or 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 maybe on on social media, but we've just never gone down, right? And and, and go, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it, it, there's this like curiosity and this fascination about it. And it's like, you know, it's like, come, come down, come down, come experience it. Like, you know, you, you, you are welcome. And, and even if you can't do the whole weekend, um, Carnival is not only just the parade, there's so many events um, leading up to it. Uh, like there's a panel live on the Friday. Um, you know, there's emancipation day on, on August 1st. So there's so many, um, uh peripheral events around carnival that like you can come and be introduced to the culture if it's if it's your first time um and even if you don't want to be on the, the the parade route even just coming to king and queen where it's where it's it's night it's it's a little cooler so you're not out in the hot sun you can sit you could chill enjoy the costumes enjoy the music the food all, all these types of things but yeah I, I i'm really surprised that like you know how many people say like yeah we we, we always saw it, but never didn't really know too much about it or never, never thought to go down. Mm -hmm. And now they'll, they'll go every year, probably. I hope so. I hope so. Because growing up for me, um, and, and even though I've never played mass, but growing up for me and my friends, carnival was the biggest thing every summer, mm -hmm. every summer. Every, every, like I remember back in the day, we, we would buy our outfits like months in advance. And we, we would say, yo, we're wearing these shoes. We're wearing these Jordans on the Friday. We're wearing the Iversons on the Saturday. Like we're wearing this outfit on Friday. We're wearing this outfit Saturday, this outfit Sunday. So that like that for us was like the biggest event. And it's like, this is the daytime outfit. This is the nighttime outfit. So, you mm -hmm. know, because because like, you know, it, it, I grew up with so much um, importance to it, e even even though I never um, build masks or or wore costumes or made costumes, I, I was always just like kind of like, you know, just a reveler from the outside type of thing. Um, it was still the biggest thing for me every summer and, and, and my group of friends that we grew up with as well, too. And and, you know, we went most years. Um, there might have been one or two years that, that we missed just because of like prior engagements or whatever. But as much as we could, we, we, we would go there. Even if we couldn't go there for too long, we would just run down, go there for an hour and then go on, deal with our business somewhere else, you know? Right, because you, you don't want to be the one saying, oh, no, I wasn't there. No, I was there. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So 
Joella, real quick, I wanted to ask you, I know Chris said that in 2017, that was your ninth uh, showing, your ninth time participating. Did you, when you were 18 and you decide and you got into this, did you tell yourself, I'm only going to do this for 10 years and that's it? Or did you just come to a point where you were like, I think this is enough? Yeah, I, when I was 18, I never, you know, I never thought that I would ever win the queen. I was just competing because, you know, I just wanted to try. I didn't think that that would ever happen. I didn't win when I was 18. I, I won, I won my first time when I was 21. So it did take a couple years, but after I won the first time, um, you know, I kind of got that bug to say, let's keep going. Let's try. You know, there had been only one other person that won three times in a row. So that would be really challenging to do that. You know, and I just thought, why don't we just go for it? Um, but as the wins went on, I guess, you know, other things came into play, you know, it's, it's very competitive thing to do, but I started to feel like it was a, more about the winning and less about having, you know, an experience and having fun and, and sharing. And I just sort of felt guess more, more challenged by having to be on top. It's always harder to be the person on top. And I didn't feel like people were very excited all the time that I was the person on top. And so that sort of didn't make me feel um, as happy as I once was, you know, playing the queen. So I, after seven wins, I had said to myself, I'm good. I'm good. And then, you know, someone at our mass camp um, where we make the costumes call a mass camp was sort of like, why don't you just go for 10? And that's kind of how I said, okay, that's my goal. And after 10, I'm, I'm out of here. So that's sort of how that happened, but it's, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of people who do, you know, they play queen once or twice and then they take a break and then they come back. There isn't someone who really just goes all of those years in a row and does it. And so, um, you know, it was a, a unique experience for me and it's probably a unique experience for, any queen that existed ever in Toronto. So, um, you know, and that's my story. And, and I think that kind of makes it a little more unique and a little more special, but after 10, I was like, I'm good. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> I'm good. And there's other people I want to give the opportunity to, um, we seem to have like a really good team, which was, you know, I'm so grateful and blessed to have experience, but I do, I do want to give an opportunity um, to see other people up there and like to see what else, what else would happen if I wasn't there. And, and that's kind of cool too. Right. That is so admirable to see someone who is winning consistently to see them saying it's enough. I'm stepping, I'm stepping back. Not yeah, because I'm, Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think that about myself, but I, I just sort of thought like, hey, this is good. Like this has been more than enough. And yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I have other things that I would like to do within the community and I need to sort of find another path to be able to do that. And, 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 and quitting kind of allowed that for me. Right. One of those things was starting a family and yeah. And I don't think I would like, you know, I can't, I can't do the queen pregnant. So <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to give one to have the other, but yeah, those, you know, you, you know, over the next couple of years, I'd like to be making costumes for my son. And so, and that will be a focus and, and that's probably where the money will go. Um, but not doing queen also, yes, it's, it's like exciting to be like, what's going to happen next. 
I mean, just thinking about the fact that like the last time you competed and you notice how we're not saying what happened the 10th time because we want people to watch the film. No um, spoilers, no spoilers. But the next year when you're not, um, you know, competing and you haven't had to spend the entire year working on your, your costume and preparing, you just, that freedom of just enjoying and watching. Yeah, it's like I hadn't been in the audience like for years, like just to watch other people, like to participate in my culture in like a different way. And so, um, yeah, like this year, I'm really excited to walk, like to be there and just enjoy it and enjoy and it with my son. And yeah, and, and like look at the costumes because before you were kind of like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And like, and that's the other thing too, is just like my designer, Kenny, like I, I've also thought about that. Like that's, it's, you know, I'm sure it's stressful for him too. And like, even just if I ever play queen again, just to like rejuvenate his, his concept of like who I am and, and, you know, I'm not like this 20 year old kid anymore who just got all this energy to win. It's like, how do you see me now? And how would you design a costume for me now? But I don't know. I, I mean, if that ever happened, that would be wonderful, but it's, it's nice for him to make costumes for like other people. Yeah. Well, I, we have to wrap up and I'm so sad, but um, really quick, I have a question for Joella and a question for Chris, but uh, Chris first, tell everybody where they can watch Becoming a Queen. Absolutely. So uh, Becoming a Queen is now available on Amazon Prime, Amazon Home Video, available on Apple TV, iTunes, um, on Xbox, on YouTube Premium, Vimeo On Demand. Uh, so it's on, it's, on, it's on the major uh, major streaming network, exception of Netflix. It's not on Netflix yet. No Netflix. And you said it's available to watch now in the USA and Canada when? Uh, yes. Yeah, so now in the USA and Canada, July 19th is the release date. All right. Perfect. Joella, my question for you, you had mentioned earlier in the interview that a lot of the ladies participating and competing would shop kind of in the same supply stores, mm -hmm. fabric stores, supply stores. Did you ever, <laughs> did you ever show up with your costume and look and say, oh, those are my beads, you know, kind of the Cinderella thing, like, yeah. <laughs> I get into a big bra, like, ah, you stole my stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah. no, but we, people like, okay, for example, Kenny might go somewhere and then see another designer that we know, uh -oh. like buying the same, like colored stuff. So we're like, oh, that person's going to be in pink this year because they just bought the pink, like stones, all mm -hmm. of the pink stones. So they're wearing pink. Like we are like, damn, should we switch to silver or like whatever yeah. it is? But yeah, because it's, it's, it's literally like that. I just wonder, like, if they shouldn't make sure that des the designers have to, like, check with each other first and be like, we're doing silver, so the rest <laughs> of you can't. No, nobody talks about it, but there are people. So in our mask camp where we make our costumes, like, sometimes they put up, like, a curtain so we can be behind because there's other people who go around to where the mask camps are located and remember like any everyone is welcome so it's not like they're gonna say you can't come in and they sneak a peek and they're like oh, joelle is wearing red this year like okay let's see <laughs> let's maybe buy all the red things but um you know we've had that where there's people sneaking around and and you know 
getting info on what we're what we're making those little sneaks but that's part of the you know that's part of the fun of the whole thing so you have to have a little drama yeah Just exactly little- right <laughs> well you guys it's been so amazing talking to you and I've learned so much just watching the film and just talking with you guys and I love the fact that it's inclusive that my little white ass could come up there not that I could probably with I'm not physically fit enough to withstand <laughs> the rigors of wearing the costume but that I could be there just enjoying it I love it it's fantastic and it's going to be happening the weekend you said July 28th to August 1st Chris that's Carter. correct yeah awesome. yeah well you guys I'm so excited what are you going to do? What are you going to do next? You're just going to be busy promoting? Yeah, mainly busy promoting. Um, I, I'm also shooting a music video in Trinidad at the end of the month, uh, which I'm really excited for. Um, but yeah, most, mostly promoting when, once, once we get back. Um, and and uh, there are a number of things that are lined up for us, which I'm really excited for because we get to promote it with the buildup of our of our hometown festival of, of Toronto Carnival. So I'm really excited for that and really excited for the release of it. I think that's just going to uh, build it exponentially for you guys. Just the I, word. I hope Everything. so. Fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed. And I'll be talking about it. And Miss Joella, it's been amazing talking to you. And I have nothing but admiration for your accomplishments, whether it was nine or 10, people will have to watch the film and find out. Thank you so much. And thanks for the chat today. It's been, it's been really nice chatting with you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thank you for having us. Oh my gosh. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. Have a great. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this creative conversation. Be sure to follow me on social media. I am Pup Duffy basically everywhere. You can follow the show on Facebook. It's Coffee, Candy, and Creatives. Head over to beunique.org. Like, follow, and support my beautiful humans over there. Be sure to check out my sponsor. And for your own sponsorship or interview opportunities, please email me at pup4ccc at gmail.com. If you like the music you're hearing, head on over to raleighkeegan.com and do yourself a favor and buy this album. You can download it or you can have a physical CD. You can also keep up to date on tour dates and future releases. As always, take care of each other, love each other, watch each other's back, and I'll see you next time.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.